there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Volume. The Draymond Green Show is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You get payouts in as fast as two hours. There's so many bet types. My favorite same-game parlay bets. There's live betting, player props, futures. If you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. To get started now, sign up. Please use the promo code Colin. C-O-L-I-N. FanDuel Sportsbook makes it easy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Draymond Green Show. This is episode 42, and it's our first episode of the offseason uh, for the podcast. Obviously, you know, it's been a lot going on this last week or so. I feel like I'm finally starting to get my bearings and just like my 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 legs back under me and and but most importantly my mind um when going through the playoffs well before we get into this um it's been a great week as you know the parade was absolutely incredible which we'll discuss a little more about that but as I mentioned, this is the first episode of the offseason, and we're about to hit the ground running. What do I mean by we're about to hit the ground running? If you have not seen, doing a live podcast recording slash show in New York City, Monday night with JJ Reddick, the new media is going to be absolutely insane. Uh, the podcast will live in the normal podcast feed, so if you can't make the podcast, there were, or, or the show, there were not a ton of tickets as it is a smaller venue. So, and then obviously it's the summertime and people are traveling and blah, blah, blah. If you can't make it, the podcast will live where every other episode live and you'll be able to check it out. So don't fret, my pet will be just fine. 
But in saying that, as you know, the parade was about almost a week ago. And it was great. Uh, why was the parade great? I must, I must be honest. Um, after having parades in Oakland, I was a little nervous uh, because I just didn't know what to expect. I am the type of person, like, I like things to stay the same. Um, I'm very shy, which m most people would never believe when it comes to, like, new people. I, it does not work well with me. It takes me a while to get comfortable with people. Like, I just like things the same. I said all of that to say, after having three parades in Oakland, and then coming to San Francisco and having a parade, I was a little skeptical about it because I just didn't know what to expect. And I love my Oakland family, as Oakland will always be a home, second home to me. Grew, really grew up there and became a man, not like grew up like we know. I'm sagging all Michigan through and through, baby. That doesn't change. But I grew into a man in the city of Oakland. So that place will always have a special place in my heart. Never change. But if I'm ranking parades because we live in this society that's always trying to like rank and compare uh, dumb shit, um, I think that may have been the best parade. Why was it the best parade? Um... For a few reasons. Number one, Steph Curry was acting up. And you just never see that. Like, when we won before, Steph didn't act up. Steph was acting up. Klay Thompson was acting up. I mean, this man, by the way, I know we all saw the video. Or if you have not seen the video, please go to your Instagram and find the video of Klay Thompson stumbling. The, the guy stumbled five steps. Then he hits, he, he like runs over the girl and immediately catches his balance, which was the great part. It's like, you run this girl over and that's how you catch your balance. If that girl was not right there, the, the, the girl that Clay Thompson ran over, I mean, that ends badly for Clay. Number one, he's tripping on a little, like, I, I don't know what these calls, so forgive me and all the smart people out there that's going to comment and be like, it's called this. Thanks in advance. But the metal little cage thing that's all over the streets and they're sometimes on side. He's like tripping. And I know like in that situation, it's it's for it's probably for the train system, the BART or uh whatever train system runs or whatever uh transportation system, I should say, runs downtown San Francisco on Market Street. I'm sure that's why the cage thing is there for that. But he's like tripping over that. And if he falls on that thing, that does not end well. Quite frankly, he runs the girl over and save himself. I thought that was absolutely the highlight of the parade. Um, or maybe Klay Thompson losing one of his rings. Now, to show y'all how much of a fog I've been in, Klay had his rings, Steph had his rings, Bob had his rings. And I had told myself days leading up to the parade, like, I need to get my rings. Because I don't keep them in the house. Like, they're in a safe location. Like, I need to get my rings. Totally forgot. See those guys begin to pray, like, ah, I forgot my rings. 
Then Clay Thompson goes on to lose his one of his rings. And I think he found it. But I'd be the one who definitely lose the ring. So it's probably best that I did not get my rings. Um, and I just, I talked my shit anyway, like I had my rings. So it was great. But, man, um, <clears throat> the fog that I've been, number one, for all our loyal supporters out there, our listeners. I hope you listened to the podcast that I did right after finals. And it was absolutely horseshit. Why was it absolutely terrible? Well, I'll tell you why. It was great having Andre on. Like, that's surreal. Like, to have him on in that moment, like, right after we win. Great. Like, you know, you get Clay Thompson on. That's about as long as you can get Clay to focus. We we kept him as long as we could get him to focus. Absolutely incredible. Getting GP on there, absolutely amazing. Even the cameo by the Rook, who can't stay focused for 20 seconds and, and, and answer some questions, it was great. Having those guys on is incredible. Why was it terrible? It was terrible because I was still in the fog. I didn't know what was going on. Um, I'm sure you you probably watched that and be like, Draymond didn't give us much of anything. I had nothing left to give. I was absolutely exhausted. Um, and again, in further explaining the fog that I was in, I totally missed the champagne celebration. Totally missed it. They like did a little small do-over for me when I when I came in the locker room. As you know, if you watched the if you see in if you watch any of the clips that the Warriors posted from the Champagne Celebration, you'll notice you only see me in like a five-second clip, maybe for five seconds, and it's really just me sitting there spraying the champagne because I missed the whole celebration. Again, just in the fall, on the court. I'm standing on the court and like not realizing pretty much anything that's going on around me. And so I missed that. I then proceeded to miss pictures with everyone. So like, if you see the pictures, like, I think there may be a picture of me and Clay. Maybe me and Clay. I think it's me and Clay, possibly. But like, I don't have a picture with like me and Steph or me and Steve or me and G. Like, I totally missed that part of things. I then proceeded to miss 90% of the after party that we had in TD Garden and like some club they got in there. Like, who knew it was a club in TD Garden? Huge club. I missed like 90% of the after party. So I said all of that to say, or just to give you a perspective of why, A, that episode was terrible. Because I didn't realize in, in scheduling the episode with Jackson, and like you just don't know where the emotions were going to be. And for me, my emotions was all over the place. Like, you know, a part of me is sitting there watching the younger guys and enjoying seeing them like win their first championship and they're reacting. A part of me is sitting there trying to process, man, we just won our fourth championship. And let me tell you, the difference in between four and three may as well be having one and four. Like, it feels so night and day, like the rarefied air that we're in after winning the fourth one than winning the third one. It's literally like, it's just so rare. I was on the phone with Brian the other day, and I'm just telling him, like, bruh, the difference, like, going from, from three to four is insane. He like, yo, I'm telling you, like, it's crazy. 
that's why when when we won our when we when I won my fourth one, I'm just like, nah, like stop. I don't, you don't want to hear anything. And we were we were just sitting there talking about how like the difference in between winning number three, like going from three to four, is massive. And so, I want to give a big shout out to the guys who has four rings. Um, Obviously, your your current active players is made up of the Dubs and LJ, so that's a very short list. Um, but Shaq Diesel, who I said a million times, was growing up for me like it was Shaq. Like, huge Shaq fan, had to zip up Orlando Magic onesie. My nightlight was Orlando Magic. I had the iron on half ironed on and, and the rest is like going missing Shaquille O'Neal magic jersey with the lines in it to him and Penny jerseys. You know, like growing up, for me, my favorite player of all time is Shaq. Just the way he dominated. I actually be going back and watch some of Shaq highlights and different stuff of Shaq. And dude was absolutely insane. Four-time club, MJ four-time club. Obviously MJ six, but we talking about the four-time club, MJ. You're going you gonna to be a part of this club for now. Um, we got Cole, Kareem. And, like, you know, I can go on and on with this list. Scottie Pippen. The moral of the story, Steve Kerr. I'd be remiss if I didn't say Steve Kerr. But there's 44 guys. Four of them happen to be from our camp. And in NBA history, that has four championships. And so that leads you to the conversation of this all 75 team. Now we're not getting into that. I'm just joking. Partly joking, partly serious. But anyway, it's like it's it's really still hard for me to put in words. But nonetheless, back to what I was saying anyway. Trying to put into context, like we just won our fourth ring. And the emotions of it, standing on that stage looking out at the Boston fans who I don't even need to revisit all of the things that they were saying and uh, their antics, but to, to watch them sit there and watch us hoist the trophy, my emotions in my mind was just all over the place. And so just kind of missed the moment. I remember a story, Peter Goober, who's one of the majority owners a uh, mentor of mine, one of the majority owners of the Golden State Warriors, he told me a story years ago. He said, Draymond, I'd all, I always wanted to win. Um, I always wanted to win an Oscar, you know, and, and you do all of these things and you put these movies together and, like, the ultimate goal is to win an Oscar. And I'm like, yeah, it's great. He said, and Draymond, we finally got the movie. We got our Oscar. He said, and I'm on like a chair in back of everybody, like trying to stand up and so I can be in the picture. He said, and in that moment, I realized the picture is the least important part of this journey. It's the actual journey that you appreciate. It's the times on set um, with the actors and with the directors and producers and actresses that's what you appreciate. You appreciate the journey. You appreciate the process of getting there. And it took me to have to, tr trying to hop on a chair in the back and like be in the picture to realize like it's all about the process and journey. And so a part of me is just sit standing there and like, 
a pre, like not even really caring about the picture or about holding a trophy. Like I never held a trophy on stage. First time I held a trophy was like in the pictures afterwards where you take the individuals, but really hoisted the trophy was the parade. And so it was it's it was a surreal moment for me, but it was also a little um confusing, if you will. And what I mean by confusing is just it was just all over the place. I was all over the place. So that was kind of the ending of it for me or yeah essentially the ending but I also want to walk you back to games five and six a very interesting detail I think a couple of people picked up on it uh but most people didn't I wore the same outfit game five and game six if you would have saw my packs back on the way back from uh Boston or way to Boston. Very small bag because I didn't have many clothes. I wore my same black uh, Converse sweatsuit to game five and to game six. What was the significance behind that? The significance behind that was I felt like leaving Boston that I was in a war um, with the people screaming and yelling the way they were, uh, the disrespect. I felt like I was in a war. And, and no disrespect. To, to to our soldiers and to um, our armed forces as a whole and actually going to war. When I say we appreciate everything our armed services do for our country, for us as American citizens. So I'm not making the comparison as if I was going to like real war. I was going to war in my world and my world is basketball. And I felt like I was going into a war. And so my mindset was all black, everything. Like, I'm going to take something, and that's just kind of where I was mentally. I also didn't want to spend any energy on what I was going to wear that day. Uh, and so for me going into game five, Hazel was asking me, she's like, uh, do I need to iron your clothes for you before, like, do you want to sit your clothes out before you take a nap? I'm like, yeah, I think I'm just going to wear an all-black jogging suit. And she's like, okay, well, if you change your mind, you know, let me know or sit. To... And then when I woke up from my nap, she's like, hey, you got something for me to arm? I said, no, I'm 100% wearing an all-black jogging suit. And then, you know, go to game five. We win game five. And I told her, I'm, I'm going to take this jogging suit off. I'm going to pack it up. No, I'm not washing it. No, I'm not. I didn't have time to send it to the cleaners or anything anyway because we left the next morning after game five. This is going straight in the back. And I'm going to game six. And I'm going to wear the same outfit. And that's exactly what I did. And the result was the exact same. I think after game four, we knew we had them. Like, after game four, I'm like, all right, I'm wearing all black. It's going to be a funeral. Game five, it's time to go ahead and really try to kill these, you know, like, kill these boys game six. We put the dagger in these boys. But that was kind of... Like, that was my mindset. And so that's how I went into game five and game six with, with the absolute same outfit on. It was incredible. It was a part of my journey. And for me, like I said, that was my mindset, and I absolutely enjoyed that. Now, like I said, I knew after game four, we knew after game four, 
and really after game three, but especially after game four, that, you know, we had, it, it, that was kind of it. And so you go into game five where they, you know, we take a big lead, they fight back. The biggest shot of the series was Jordan Poole's shot before the end of quarter number three in game five where he banked the three in. Why was that the biggest shot of the series? The reason that was the biggest shot of the series was because they had fought back in, in, in the third quarter, which we had dominated third quarters. They fought back in that third quarter. And when they fought back, they had taken the lead, and Jordan hit the shot, and we went up one going into the fourth quarter. And I know to most people it's like, but well, they only up one, no big deal, it's right there. But what that did to them mentally, for them to see, man, we just had this incredible quarter and we're going into the fourth quarter down. It didn't matter whether they were down by one point or 10 points. To have the quarter that they had to take the lead and then go into the next quarter down, that for them, I feel like was a dagger when Jordan hit that shot. Now. Did they quit after that? No. We went out and we immediately took over the fourth quarter of game five. But you you just knew, like, they they didn't have, like, they made the comeback, but they didn't have enough to get over the hump. And if they never took the lead and they're going into fourth quarter down one, it's a totally different mindset. But the fact that they took the lead and then they still went into the fourth quarter down I think for them mentally, that was like a gut punch for them. And so, huge shot from Jordan. Then you go into game six. They start off. They make their run. We all expected it. We all expected like this. They're fighting for their lives in front of their home crowd. They're going to come out with a bang. They start off 12-2. And then things start to change. And at that point, you knew. We took that first blow. That was it. That was it. And then obviously... We go on and we do what we had to do in order to talk to y'all the way we have been talking to y'all. And by the way, let's get into that. Twitter beef. Twitter beef with everyone. I don't have Twitter beef with anyone, just an FYI. Um, because why would I have beef? I'm kind of just telling y'all, like, what it is and telling y'all how I feel and, like, most importantly, to shut up. Um, because quite frankly, we don't want to hear it. And so you may have seen me at the parade and I'm just like, in every interview, I'm like, shut up. And the reason being is because you have these experts that does all this talking, less analyzing, but a bunch of talking heads and they just talk, 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 talk. But what about getting back to actually analyzing the game? What about, um, like, why, why is it so important? To tr I know why it's important, actually. But all these hot takes, like, what about explaining the game of basketball and, and what's going on and, like, what it means in the – the games within the game and the advantage, the advantages that one could get. Winning the NBA Finals, for those of you that don't understand, 
It is the smallest edge that it takes, is that, and that's who's going to win the NBA Finals. It's the smallest edge. It's not who can score the most points. It's not, is Steph Curry going to score 39 points and Jason Tatum going to score 29 points or 39 points? Or what? It's not that. That's not what wins you the NBA Finals. It is the smallest edge that wins someone the NBA Finals. And because all these dumb talking heads and never done it, they don't understand it. Even the one that has done it don't act like he's done it because he's an idiot and a moron and wasn't really that good of a player. And so I'm talking about Kendrick Perkins, by the way. Um, like, so he don't even understand, like, how to even talk, speak about winning a championship and the things that go into it and, and like, the advantages that you need to gain or lack thereof and giving someone an advantage. I mean, it comes down, look, I'm very close with Jason Tatum. Obviously, he's been on the show, which we appreciate. But that's, JT is a little brother to me. It was bothering me to not speak to him at all during the finals. Aaron Miles, super tight with Aaron Miles. I mean, he used to sit and play dominoes entire flight with Aaron Miles when he was here the last few years. It was bothering me not to talk to them guys. Because when you've built a relationship like I've built with those two, like, a part of me is like, man, I want to say what's up to my brother. But the other side of me, no, I don't have absolutely nothing to say to him or, or a Miles, neither one of them. Because it's the smallest edge that wins you in NBA Finals. And you can't let anything get in the way of that. And so for me, in going through that, yes, that bothered me. But I recently, I just talked to A. Miles and JT on the phone a couple of days ago. Um, and I told them, like, I, I, I FaceTimed both of them, like, what's up? And the look on both of their faces when they answered the phone, obviously, it's not at the same time. But when they answered the phone, the look on both of their faces was priceless. I wish I would have screenshotted it, but... I didn't um, because some things are just for those moments, and, that, and that's one of them. But the look on both of their faces was priceless. But I called both of them, and I said, hey, man, I'm just calling to break the ice. Like, I know we ain't spoke a few weeks, but I'm just calling to break the ice. And I specifically waited till after the parade to break the ice because, you know, like, you're still in those moments, and, you know, you're preparing for the parade and it's still early. So I waited till after the parade to hit both of them, chop it up, check in. And it was great. It was absolutely incredible. But I brought that up and just speaking on the edge and the smallest edge that it takes to win the NBA Finals. And, and what is the significance of that? The significance of that is ESPN had us like 80 to 20. And what is that? What do I mean by 80-20? 80-20 rule. We've heard of that before, right? These people had us with a 20% chance to win the NBA Finals. And an 80% chance to lose. So I asked the question. And apparently it was like made by the basketball power index. So I asked the question. Who makes these, like, like, who comes up with these numbers? Like, what's the formula? 
Is it is it the formula like is the formula made based off of the, the idiots that be talking about the game that just be having talk about the game of basketball? Because that's clearly what it looks like. Like how how does your index come up with it? 80 20 chance for us. But it's because I don't know, may, I, again, I don't know what makes up this index and like how you come up with that. But clearly it's flawed and clearly broke. I think after game four, we might have been still like 20-something percent chance of winning, which is absolutely insane because that means you didn't watch game four and be like, "Uh uh-oh, this ain't right. Something here not right, and I see what's happening here. No, but most people can't see that because they don't quite understand. So let's get back into these talking heads. Skip Bayless. No, I don't want to come on your show. No, I'm not going to come on your show and debate. But if you want to analyze the game of basketball and we come on there and we do that, I'd absolutely consider it. I'd consider it. Don't say I'm going to come, but I will consider it. But if you want to sit there and debate, I didn't go to law school, brother. Like, I don't want to come on your show and debate sports or debate anything else because I didn't go to law school. If I, if I wanted to debate something, then I just, like, I would have went to law school and really did that, not try to make basketball that. Like, no, basketball is beautiful. Basketball, there's a lot to analyze in the game of basketball if you know the game. And I think that's a problem a bunch of you guys run into. You can't give analysis because you don't know the game. So you end up trying to, like, debate with somebody. And, like, that's whatever. Teach his own. But, like, I don't want to sit there and debate with you on TV. Because, quite frankly, there's someone that's never watched your show. And they may be flicking through the channels and see me on your show. And because they've never watched the show and they flick through the channel and they see me on your show, they may mistakenly take me for the fool as opposed to knowing right away that you're the fool. And I'd hate for them to mistakenly take me for the fool that you are or get me confused with the idiot that you are. Like, I don't have much of an interest for that. I, I wouldn't want that on my name. And, and to, like, like no, it's, it's very evident what you are and who you are. Like, we know that. It's concrete. Like, we know exactly who you are clown. And I, I just don't think I'd be doing myself a serv- uh, uh, any service or any good by coming on your show. I'm also not sure that I would even want you as a, as a guest on the Draymond Green show. Because if you go back and you look at the resumes of guys on the show, you don't qualify. Like, you, you don't qualify for this show. Your resume not there. So, 
I probably won't come on your show unless you want to sit there and analyze the game of basketball. Then I'll come on, maybe. But I'm not sure. And the only other outlet I would really be able to talk to you on is right here on the Draymond Green show. And, and again, your resume doesn't quite crack. It doesn't quite crack the code. Maybe we'll change that standard one day and have a guy like yourself on. But as of right now, especially coming off this fourth championship, you're not welcome, my friend. You are not welcome here. And by the way, you come out talking about the new media. You're not the new media. You're the real media. You are the real media. You're right. You've attached your name to a black man for all of these years. I, and, and that black man is none other than King James, LeBron James himself. And you tried to tear him down as much as you can all these years. So you're right. You are the real media. You are exactly who I speak of when I say this is the new media. We do this differently. You're right. I'm happy you admitted it, real media. But the new media is here to stay. And we're taking this thing over. You know why? Because people don't want to hear that old, dried up, tired stuff that you're talking about. Nobody want to hear that no more. The new media, baby. It's a reason J.J. Reddick going on TV and crushing everybody. It's a reason they keep calling Patrick Beverly back to TV. It's a reason why C.J. McCollum just signed that deal. It's a reason why I signed the deal that I signed. It's a reason why this podcast, The Draymond Green Show, is doing the numbers that it's doing. It's a reason why. The new media. Don't nobody want to hear all that tired stuff you're talking about anymore, Mr. Real. Stop attaching your name to LeBron James. Stop because you know LeBron James and his incredible life that he's lived and continues to live, that there will always be something for you to talk about if I just attach my name to LeBron James. We don't want to hear it, brother. It's over. It's the new media. We're here to stay. So you keep talking that real media stuff. I'm happy you did. You showed your hand. You are exactly who I thought you were. Exactly who I thought you were. Kendra Perkins, you act like this clown, and it's baffling to me. He could never be you. You know why he could never be you? Because he never done it. You go up here acting like him. You don't have to do that, buddy. You played. You did it. Go talk about it. Or can you not? I'd hope that you can. With all these hot takes you make, you should be able to. You don't have to act like that, my man. You don't have to go up there. You go from being enforcer to coon. How does that happen? At least you act like an enforcer. I didn't really ever take you for one. Which is why when we were playing the Cavs in the NBA Finals and I was shaking them pom-poms and people was like, oh, man, I remember my Twitter blowing up. Like, you leave LeBron alone. You shouldn't be shaking pom-poms at LeBron. Brown, my big brother, I would never shake pom-poms at him. Also, who's he cheering for? I was shaking pom-poms at the guy in the suit in the back over here in the bench. Shaking my pom-poms at him. That guy. You don't have to act like that, man. You can go on TV and be real and, like, stand on business. You don't got to go up there doing that stuff you're doing. 
This man just went on, on JJ's podcast the other day and said, I was praying that LeBron James got hurt. What? Are you kidding me? You actually thought that was okay to admit? Come on, cuz. You can't think that's okay to admit. Even if you felt that way, which, by the way, why do you feel that way? That's a problem. But even if you felt that way, hey, take that one to the grave, my man. And JJ, being the scholar that he is, the great individual that JJ is, and most importantly, the new media, why is that significant right now? Because the new media, we also protect guys. Like, we protect. This, this isn't about tearing you down. This isn't real Skip Bayless trying to tear you down. We don't do that. Now, we, we do critique. Sums off. We're going to talk about it. But we're not going to just try to tear you. No, no, no. We're going to try to help that. And so, J.J., being the new media member that he is, then tries to give you an opportunity to walk it back. Like, you mean, like, you sprained ankle. No, ACL. Are you kidding me, bruh? There was once upon a time, or excuse me, there was once a point in time where ACLs was ending people's careers, man. You remember this, how we feed our families. We always talk, like, I don't know if you do because it's not much substance, but I always talk about, like, when you get hurt and you leave the court, like, you live that. Like, you don't leave the court and then it's like, all right, I'm not hurt no more. I can walk now. But when the game's going on and when practice is going on, I'm back on crutches like, like it's a video game. No, you really live this stuff. So for you to prey on another man downfall, that's a character flaw, my man. If you prey on somebody downfall once, you're going to prey on it again. Not necessarily that you prey on LeBron's downfall because y'all are in, like living two totally different worlds. Um, but that just means you're the type of person that'll prey on someone's downfall. That's a little whack to me. That's not new media-ish. I don't understand. You don't have to go on TV and act like that, brother. You played. Act like it. Stop doing this. Stop making a fool of yourself. You played. Act like it. Nicholas Wright, how you doing? A lot of hot takes. You admitted the other day, we make hot takes. Analyze the game, my man. Now, Total opposite of Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless has kind of rolled LeBron James and tried to tear him down for all these years, and that's how he fills his segments on his show. Nick Wright has been total opposite. LeBron, LeBron could go one for 19. Nick Wright going to say he, he made one shot, and he was the best player on the floor. 
What happened to the days of, again, analyzing the game, honest opinions? You got, in, like, clowns like B- Bill Simmons, who's, like, a Boston diehard fan through and through, that's not really giving you the real because he's not impartial. Like, what happened to the days of doing a great job in media and your stories and your takes and just giving analysis, not being a homer, not Kendrick Perkins going on first take and then going on the Boston Celtics home TV show. Like, yeah, we're going for the Celtics. Dude, you were just doing national TV about these games. By the way, the issue that I have with with this topic in particular is y'all are misguiding people. Like, people actually see y'all on TV and they actually think y'all know what y'all talking about. So then when they actually think that you guys know what you're talking about, they may be betting on games and they're watching you and like listening like to Kendra Perkins say dumb things about the Celtics and the Warriors. They may believe you. And you're not giving them the real because your heart's in it and because you're not doing a great job at what you should be doing, which is analyzing the game of basketball. If you're going to talk about the game, analyze the game. Say why this is wrong. Say why that happened. You can't just say, oh, Draymond played terrible and, and he, he, he looked like the old him or... Al Horford is who he used to be. Like, how the why? Explain to us what you mean. Like, you have to explain it. Analyze it. Help us. Not just, don't, don't just be these hot take guys, man. Explain what you're talking about. Be thorough. It's important. People are listening to y'all and think y'all actually know what you're talking about. It's important. You know why? Another reason it's important to make sure these guys act the way they should be acting, to carry themselves the way they should be carried. I was once suspended from game seven of the NBA Finals. I'm sorry, game five of the NBA Finals. What's the significance of that? Why does that matter in this conversation? Because, again, these guys' opinions matter. I'm, sh- I- I'm certain that some media members had conversations with people about in the league office about whether I should be suspended or not for that game. Your opinion matters. Hard to trust those opinions. Hard to be honest in those situations. If you can't even analyze a series and say X, Y, and Z. Now, granted, when I'm done playing, I'm sure I'm going to want to see the Golden State Warriors win. I spent 10 years of my life here. Hopefully, we'll spend the next five, six, or whatever here. So I'm sure I'll feel a certain way about the Golden State Warriors. Okay. If I go on any show, if, if I'm on Inside the NBA, I'm going to break the game down and break the series down and tell you why this matters or why that matters and how this helps and how how it doesn't. 
you still have to do that. You can't just be like, oh, I want the Celtics to win. Like, no, no, no. They're paying you to analyze and, you know, like, you're doing the countdown shows. Like, you got to tell people what's going on, man. They trust you. So they think. They trust you. You have to be able to thoroughly help break this game down. And we don't see a bunch of that. And it's baffling to me. It's baffling. You know, come out, hot take this, hot take that. Back to your boy, Nicholas. You spoke all of that stuff about Andrew Wiggins. You spoke all of that stuff about how the Warriors were done and, like, would never win again and Steph needs to leave Golden State and blah, blah, blah. And then, once you're wrong, you then try to go on TV the other day or whatever you were on and say, that's what we do. We make hot takes enough. No, no, no. You wrong, brother. You got to stand on that. Those hot takes don't just get the roll off. See, that's what y'all are accustomed to. I say they make these asinine statements, and then once I'm done, it's just over. No, 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 no. You got to stand on that. Changing your opinion in the middle of the... No, 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 brother. Stand on that. Stand on your word. It's important to stand on that. Not just flipping and flopping and all this and that. What do you stand for? I don't understand. I don't understand. It's baffling to me. We got to be better. And I only care. I only care. It's because I've transitioned into that industry. I'm now a part of that industry. Not part of the real media, though. I'm the new media. But I'm a part of the industry. And I know how you guys are viewed. And I would love to change the view before I'm really seen as a part of that industry because it's just a little unfortunate. Like, you get media media people out here just making these crazy statements and, like, saying these things. I tweeted at Uncle Oak or Instagram story, one of them. And I said, I got an Uncle Oak story type story for this podcast. Let me give it to you. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. 
Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. And speaking of media just talking, there was a clip going around during the finals. By the way, these are all the things that be going on during the finals, and and, and the guy sitting there like, uh, Draymond, you 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 the, the podcast is blah blah blah. These are all the things going on in the finals that y'all really don't know going on behind the scenes, and I really haven't had time to talk about them because I'd be so locked in on task at hand. But there was a clip that surfaced, and Cedric Maxwell says to Gary Payton Senior. If Draymond was acting like that in the 80s and 90s, he get punched in his face. He get punched right in the mouth. Blah, 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 whatever he said. So here's the thing. Let me explain something to y'all. I play basketball. When I go on a basketball court, I'm not going out there to punch somebody in the mouth. I'm not going out there to try to pick a fight with anybody. I am going out on a basketball court to simply win a basketball game. Hopefully play well in doing it. In doing that, you're going to try to find any small edge that you can because the smallest edge wins you the NBA Finals. Okay. So if I go on the court and I talk jump, I talk to somebody, listen, you heard it here first. I'm not going out there trying to fight anybody. I play basketball. Will I fight someone if I had, of course, like grew up my whole life fighting. I don't fight anymore. It's pointless. So I, I so it's so here, here it is. I am telling you here first. When I go on the court and I'm talking junk, I am not talking junk because I want to fight someone. It's not what I'm going out there and do. Quite frankly, because it's going to cost me too much money if I do go out there and fight someone. So I'd rather save that money. All right, now that we got that. Sometimes in trying to gain an edge on the court, it does lead to you having beef off the court, uh, you leaving the court pissed off. Not really me in most cases, but some people leaving the court pissed off, and it carries on outside of that. To be quite frank with you, I don't really know of many guys fighting off the court even when it carries outside of that, but I'm sure it can, whatever. If I had to fight, great, we'll fight. But I said all of that to say, you got to fight like I said, you'll fight, I'll fight, it is what it is, but <clears throat> nobody's really fighting. It's the NBA, okay? So multi-billion dollar organization. Guys just aren't running around fighting. But, so Cedric Maxwell makes the statement, blah, 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 he does his thing. So now, after game five, almost positive it was after game five. Yeah, I think it was after game five. I'm almost positive. 
After game five, I go out and I do the Scott Van Pelt show. And then I see to the left, my family's still sitting in the stands over where they sit. So I go over there, kiss my family, hug them. I'm like, all right, I have to now head back to do, I just turned the Scott Van Pelt. I now have to head back and do the media room. So in doing that, where their seats are in the tunnel, I'm about to walk out of the tunnel. Who's standing there? Gary Payton Sr. and Cedric Maxwell, along with a few other people. But those are the two that I see and I noticed. So I, so if GP's standing with his back to the stand, Cedric Maxwell is like standing over here. So I like come into between them and I put my back to Cedric Maxwell and I tell GP, he sh nobody should ever be able to come to you and like think they can talk about me and they got a friend in you. Like GP, that's my OG, man. Like even before young GP got here, I used to play dominoes with GP. Like Oakland, real Oakland legend. Like nothing but respect and love forever for GP, OG. I said he shouldn't be able to come to you like he got a friend in you and talk about me because ain't nobody gonna come to me and talk about GP. Like they got a friend. No, no, you're going to do one or two things. Either you're going to go tell GP that you told me you're going to punch him in his mouth, or I'm telling you right now, I'm going to go tell him that you said you're going to punch him in his mouth. Because if you're walking around saying you're going to punch this guy in his mouth, I think he should know. So I told GP that. And GP like, man, I ain't getting into all that. He's standing right there. I said, I know he's standing right here. That's why I came and said it to you right now. Because I saw you earlier. But I ain't said to you earlier because I want him to know when you're going you're gonna to talk about some, punching somebody in the mouth, you got to stand on that. You can't just be walking around talk like, oh, he'll get punched. Well, you do the punching. You got to stand on that. And so I asked, you know, GP like, nah. And so then Sergeant Maxwell, like, oh, man, I'm going to get out of here. Of course you are. Because you walking around talking about you're going to punch someone in the mouth or somebody will get punched in the mouth or whatever, but I'm playing basketball and I'm trying to gain an edge in a basketball game. Punching in the mouth has absolutely nothing to do with basketball. So let's just keep this basketball. And so then he walks out, he walks off, and I finish talking to GP. So then I walk out the same tunnel because I'm going to do my media and he's standing there like, Draymond, let me talk to you. And I'm like, it ain't really nothing to talk about. Like, you said I would get punched in the mouth. So I want to know, are you going to punch me in the mouth? No, I ain't going to punch you in the mouth. I appreciate your game. Of course you do. So then stop talking about that. Like, there's absolutely no reason for you to be talking about me getting punched in the mouth unless you're going to punch me in the mouth. And so it's just this whole thing of like, you know, you saw Russ the other day, check, skip, payless, like, um, Russell Westbrook. Like that that man's name is Westbrook. Like that man has children. That man has a family. That's a family name. You're talking about Russell Westbrook. Again, people just run off talking and think they don't have to stand on that. You got to stand on them words, man. Your words mean something. You got to be willing to stand on that. And so that, that's like my whole thing with this new, the new media. Stand on that. Real media? But 
calling this man Westbrook. Like, what? Who are you? So, hopefully these guys will see this. They'll, of course, they'll look at it. They'll go respond and say, I'm not doing that, Bob. But if you know what's good for you, you got to make the adjustment, man. Because people tired of that old-ass tired stuff y'all giving. They sick of it. Yours truly, the new media. Lastly, before I get out of here, let's talk about free agency. I also, oh, before I get to this, this will actually lead right into where I'm going. Brian Winhorse said, after game five, that was a pocketbook win. The Warriors bought that win. I got no problems with Brian Windhorse. I got no problems with Brian Windhorse at all, actually. I have a problem with that statement. <laughs> the reason I have a problem with that statement is because it's very contradictory. How is it contradictory? Well, quite frankly, you guys said paying Clay Thompson the money that he made coming off of his injury was a bad idea by Joe Lacob. They should have paid him less money. Blah, blah, blah. Ah. You guys also said Steph Curry and the extension he signed, it was over. And that was it. And blah, blah, blah. You guys also said when Andrew Wiggins came to this team that we never win again, that we took on that bad contract and he's a zero and a bus and blah, blah, blah. You guys also said that I was washed up. Those are our four highest-paid players. You had an issue with every single contract. The moment it's beneficial, it's no longer a problem. Now it's a, now we bought the win? How is that possible after y'all had an issue with every single one of the contracts I just mentioned, our top four contracts you guys had an issue with? How is there any such thing as a pocketbook win? For a team that y'all said was pathetic, that would never win. That's baffling to me. Now, got to give Joe Lacob some credit. We do have the highest payroll in the NBA. In large part due to we drafted well. Our team, our front office, our ownership, the ownership group, they've done an incredible job. And number one, building the business of the Golden State Warriors, as we know, it was not great in 2011 when they bought this team. So they built the business, an incredible one. They drafted well. Shout out to Bob Myers, uh, the guy who did not receive a single vote for GM of the year or executive of the year. Did not see, he did not receive a single vote. A single vote for a team that y'all said would never win again, would never do anything. The guy who put this roster together did not receive a single vote for executive of the year. And for the smart aleck that's out there, he may have received one. I don't think he received a single vote. 
That's no slight to whoever won executive of the year. But the guy who won a championship that put this roster together that y'all said was total horseshit didn't receive one. Okay. So we know we already know that there's a problem with the voting system. First team, NBP, DPOY, you name it. We already know there's a problem there. So that just falls right into the category with that. It's pathetic. But the fact that we can have a pocketbook win on a roster that y'all said would never compete, that is baffling to me. Like I said, we do have the highest payroll. Got to give Joe Lacob credit there. Guy is not afraid to spend, which, by the way, we got some important stuff coming up, which we'll talk about in a second, and the importance of it. But you can't say that. You, you just can't. Something that's baffling to me is that the Warriors, Steph Curry, he's been here 13 years, drafted. Klay Thompson, 11, drafted. Myself, 10. Drafted. Wiggins traded for, not signed, we traded for Andrew Wiggins. James Wiseman drafted. I think the next highest paid player after that, if I'm not mistaken, is Jonathan Kaminga drafted. Kavon Looney drafted. The fact that we're paying the same tax penalties that teams are that can go buy a team is crazy. Like, the fact that there are no, like, okay, so you can go further into the tax if you have bird rights. But the fact that we've drafted all of these guys, and yes, the contracts get up there when you have success, but why is the tax rate the same exact tax rate as far as penalties go for someone, if they just went and bought, uh, when we say bought a team, if they went and signed every free agent that they didn't draft, why why is the taxes the same? I don't understand that. Like, so to get penalized for drafting well, that doesn't really make sense to me. Because then what's the incentive of drafting well and keeping your guys if that's going to be the case? Prime example being, we're in free agency. You got Kavon Looney, who's a free agent, who's going to do extremely well, who's put himself in a great position. Um, you get further penalized for giving him more money, but you drafted him with the 30th pick. Loon is by far, next to Moses Moody, by the way, the most professional guys I've ever seen. Incredible, don't miss a beat. Not late, no issues. They'll never piss Steve Kerr off. Like, guys are great. You signed, you, you drafted Looney with the 30th pick, and now you're going to get penalized for that. Does not make sense to me. Doesn't make sense. We signed GP when no one else wanted GP, obviously not drafted, but. And so, if there's a penalty there, I understand. You got Otto Porter, who's also a free agent. Nemanja Bielisa, Andre Godala. If there's other penalties, I get it. But for these guys, myself being one of them, that's like drafted here, the fact that you face the same penalties is baffling to me. It's baffling. 
It doesn't make sense because, again, what's the point of drafting well if you're going to get penalized ultimately for drafting well? You can't help but look at OKC who has all these draft picks and then wonder. They'll, may, they'll probably be able to, like, they may be able to, in the long run, keep two or three of these guys because the money is going to cost so much if these guys turn out to be good. But they're drafting these guys. And so that right there is a little baffling to me. Like I said, I give Joe Lacob a lot of credit for all that he's been willing to spend and to keep this team going. Because like I told y'all before, we ain't done. We not done. We gonna keep this train rolling. But the fact that there's no relief there is just baffling to me. So I think that's something that need to be looked at in this next CBA. Because, you know, and, and I know people will make the argument and say, uh, well, yeah, but you gotta help the small market teams out. Guess what? I don't really care to, like, you help them where you may, but, like, my pay doesn't get raised. I live in expensive-ass San Francisco. And so the max salary, if I make the max salary in Oklahoma City, that money stretches way further than my money, my max money would stretch in San Francisco. But they don't say, oh, we're going to prorate your salary because the 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 rent is more expensive or to buy is more expensive per square foot. They don't do that. But when it comes to small market teams, we get punished the same. Nah, if you're going to do that, then you got to make it that way across the board. Not just for a small market team or for this or that. Then you have to take into account all of those disadvantages and advantages across the board, including for the players. And with that, I'm out of here. That's a wrap from this episode of Draymond Green Show. Your next episode after this will be JJ and I. Hope all of you enjoy it. Until next time, by the way, guest is on the way back. JJ is not a guest. He's been a guest. JJ and I are collabing and doing Old Man and the Three and the Draymond Green Show, a collab. So JJ is not a guest. But guests are on the way back. And we're going to have some big ones. Stay locked in. Much love. That's a wrap from the Draymond Green Show. Peace. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.